You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. This morning it is such a privilege to be with you all. Thanks to Greg and Sarah for allowing me to be a part of this incredible preaching team. If you missed any chapels last week, I did because I was sick. Go back and listen to them. Some of the clearest messages I've ever heard on surrender and doubt and lament. Like, you don't want to miss that. This morning, I have the privilege of talking about the story that we find ourselves in, which is redemption. My friends, this is the greatest news ever. We just sang about it. My debt is paid. It is paid in full. The rugged cross, my salvation. Redemption is possible for me and it's possible for you. Now, I know some of you, you've heard 1,632 sermons on redemption, but I wonder this morning if Jesus doesn't have something more for you too, because maybe you were like me. I was on sermon number 1,632 myself when I sat in your seat, and I could probably even have preached about redemption at that point in my life, but I wasn't living in the fullness of redemption that Christ died for me. You see, I believe Jesus redeemed I believe that Jesus redeemed you. I believe that Jesus could redeem most things. But in my heart, I wasn't quite sure that he could redeem some of my stuff, some of my sins, some of the sins that have been committed against me. And maybe that's you. Maybe you feel this morning like you're the exception to God's redemption. And if that's you, that's a lie from hell. It's a lie from hell. You are not the exception to God's redemption. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what has been done to you. Jesus' blood redeemed all of it, all of it. That's where we're going. That's where we're going to live this morning. So if you start to feel condemnation this morning, that's not from him. God does not condemn us. If you feel conviction, that's a beautiful thing. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. If you feel shame, not from him. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for all of your sin, for all of my sin, for all the sins that have been committed against me, for all the sins that have been committed against you, for your past, your present, and your future. Nothing is the exception to the work that has already been done on the cross for your redemption. If you hear nothing else, hear that. God is able to redeem all things. My friend Zach talks about when you're working through a sermon, what are the four Ps that we want to look at? First, what's the problem? What's the problem with redemption? Well, the problem is we're all in need of redemption. Every single one of us. None of us escapes the need to be redeemed. Well, you might be saying, okay, Jeannie, well, what does redemption mean? I'm so glad you asked. Redemption means to regain or gain access to something by means of exchange of payment, to cancel someone's debt. Again, we just sing it. My debt is paid. The debt for my sin, the debt for your sin was paid by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Our redemption has already been settled. You don't have to wonder if it can be redeemed. Your redemption has already been bought with a price. We are all in need of redemption. Well, where does this start? If you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3. Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see God create the heavens and the earth, the wildlife, the stars, everything in it. And then he created Adam and Eve, his very good creation. And he created them and said, enjoy the vastness of the garden. Enjoy it all, but don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Enjoy everything, but not this one. Why? Because he's good to us. And that was his boundary for us. Enjoy everything, 
but not this one. And the last verse of chapter two says, Adam and his wife, they were naked and unashamed. My friends, that's beautiful. Naked and unashamed. Most of us can't even fathom that kind of life. Maybe you're like me and you've been so riddled with shame. Shame feels like a foreign object, something that cannot be obtained. But my friends, that's how we were designed and created. We were designed to live in communion with God and one another, unashamed. Are you ashamed this morning? Are you riddled with shame? Are you burdened by the weight of the shame of your life? There's good news. God came to redeem all things. They were naked and unashamed. But how quickly that turns when we get to chapter three, the first verse says, and the serpent was more crafty than any other animal the Lord created. The serpent here is the enemy of our souls. The enemy comes and he begins to sow seeds of deceit, which is lies and distrust. That's what he still does today, my friends. Sow seeds of deceit and distrust. In the New Testament, we find this verse where it says, when the enemy lies, he speaks his native tongue. All he can do is lie. He can't tell the truth. So he comes and he asks Eve a question and it's so close to the truth. If we're not paying attention, we might be deceived. He sows seeds of distrust saying, did God really say? God must be holding out on you. He doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't have good things in store for you. Does that sound familiar in your own life? I know I felt that. God, you must be holding out on me. God, you must not be good if you allow these things in my life. Sowing seeds of deceit and distrust. And those seeds lead Adam and Eve to choose to disobey the truth of God and to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And immediately it says their eyes were open, not to the beauty and the knowledge that they thought they were going to find, but to their nakedness and their brokenness. Sin never opens our eyes to the beauty of God, but only to our brokenness and our nakedness. The next thing they do is this, is they hide and they begin to sow fig leaves. If you ever wonder why you hide in your sin, you're in good company. They begin to try to cover up their sin. I know I have too. Fig leaves don't cover up sin, do they? But don't miss this next moment. But it said, God came to them in the cool of the day, walking in the garden, calling out to them, where are you? When in the moment when it looks like all hope is lost, they are hiding in their sin. The, the shame has come. The sin has broken relationship with God and others. God comes pursuing them in the garden, in the midst of their sin, in the midst of their shame, in the midst of their hiding, in the midst of them trying to cover up. God comes. Some of you need to hear that this morning. In the midst of your sin, in the midst of your shame, in the midst of your hiding, in the midst of your covering up, God is in fast pursuit of you. He never stops pursuing his kids. And he says, where are you? Now, that's not a question. God knew where they were. He wanted them to make themselves known. Admit, I'm in hiding. Where are you? And they come out and they do what most all of us do. Adam points to Eve. Well, it's her fault. And Eve points to the serpent. It's his fault. We blame one another, make excuses. And then sin always has consequences, doesn't it? Did for Adam and Eve, it does for us. But it's important when we read these lists of consequences, God doesn't curse Adam or Eve. They have consequences, but they're not cursed. The people, what is cursed is a serpent in the ground. It's an important distinction, my friends. In Genesis 3, 15, though, in the midst of the consequences of our sin, God begins to foretell of what's coming, our redemption. He said, God says, and he will crush the head of you. He will crush your head. He will trample sin. Here he's pointing to Jesus. Jesus will trample sin once and for all. Right here, the very beginning, God already has in mind redemption for us. Redemption is coming. 
Redemption is coming. And then we see in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, it says, God made a covering for them of skin. Skin. That means there had been a sacrifice. Blood given and shed for the life of another. He begins to point to the symbol of, of sacrifice. The rest of the Bible, we find over and over again, the cost of our sin is the blood of another. A debt is owed for my sin. A debt is owed for your sin. And here God is showing us that it is the blood of something else, the life given of something else that will cover our sin. And God covers them. It's beautiful, my friends. He's saying, Adam and Eve, your fig leaves, not sufficient. I will cover your sin. That's good news for me. Jeannie, you're striving, you're trying, you're trying to, to have better behavior, not going to cover your sin. Only I can do that. Because of the sin of Adam and Eve, we are all born into sin. We call it original sin. They pass down the sin nature to us. And then we make our own choices of sin. We are all in need of redemption. In Romans, we see all have fallen short of the glory of God. Me, Zach, Greg, Sarah, Dr. Brown, we have all fallen short, all of us. Ephesians chapter 2 says, we were all dead in our transgressions. Each one of us, all means all, all of us, dead in our transgressions, fulfilling our desires, all of us in need of saving, all of us in need of redemption. The debt of my sin, death. In Romans, it says the wages of sin is death. I am deserving of death because of my sin. That's not good news. But the gift of God is eternal life. God made way in his son, Jesus Christ, to be my redeemer, to be your redeemer. So what's the problem? We're all in need of redemption. What's the practice? Confession. Confession. Confessing, I am in need of a savior. I am need of being redeemed. I can't do it on my own. Some of us are exhausted in this room because we've been trying to do better. We've been trying to change our behavior. We've been trying to stop being addicted. And that's just, uh, that's just it. I've tried. I can't try my way into redemption. And neither can you. Our confession is I am in need of a Savior. We confess our sins. Confessing our sins to God. It says he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. That's in 1 John. When we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. That's good news. When we confess, we can be assured of his forgiveness. But here's the problem. So many of us confess our sins and yet fail to receive that forgiveness. We walk around as like, I still have to carry my sin. That's not freedom. That's not freedom. Jesus didn't die to forgive your sins so that you can continue to carry the weight of your sin. He died so that you can be set free. I'm preaching this message as much to myself as I am to you. For too long, I carried the weight of my sin. I knew I was forgiven but I felt like I needed to carry it around to be justified that I was forgiven. Lie from hell. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive your sins. Confession. Repentance. Repentance means to turn around. You are going one direction in your sin dead life and you turn around. You turn towards God. You turn to a life of godliness. Again, you can't even make yourself turn around. This is a gift from God himself, but he turns you around. Repent so that Times of refreshing may come. I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna get this correct, so I'm gonna read it to you. Acts 3:19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. 
wiped out so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Do you need a time of refreshing? Repent. Turn around. Watch Jesus wipe out your sin so that times of refreshing may come. That's good news, my friend. Turn around. Living a life of addiction? Turn around. Continuing to have sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend? Turn around. It's never too late to turn around and turn to God. Repent so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Confess, repent in the faith. Have faith. Practice faith. So many times in scripture, we see Jesus say, your faith has healed you. Sometimes he even said to the friends of someone who needed healing, the faith of your friends has healed you. I was looking up faith and I found this great definition from a summary from one of our Wesleyan institutions. It says, faith is the only condition of salvation. The kind of faith that agrees with God about our sinful condition. Does your faith agree with God about our sinful condition? That I am in need of a savior? That my, because of my sin, I am deserving of death? But God? But God. It says, when we exercise faith, we completely and wholeheartedly rely on the saving ability of Jesus Christ. Completely and wholeheartedly rely on the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That's it. Our practice is confession. Our practice is repentance. Our practice is faith. In Ephesians, it says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves, but a gift of God. That's good news. It's not up to me. It's not up to you. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, through faith. What is our posture? Posture surrender. Surrender into the reality that I am in need of a savior. Surrender into the fact that I can't cover up my own sins. Surrender. God, I can't do this. I am in need of of you. I'm in need of a savior. I surrender all to the one who paid it all. Who's the person? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He is our redeemer. He gave up his position and his power in heaven and came to earth as a baby, as Emmanuel, God with us. He came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for all. A ransom for all. He came. He came. And he gave up his life for me and for you. He said, all your sin, all your shame, I will take on the cross. I will die for you as the atoning sacrifice, the final sacrifice for you. Atoning means to cover up, to purify, to cancel someone's debt. He said, I will do that for you because I love you. I love you. I know we, we, we blow past John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his son so that whoever, me, you, whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Will not perish, but have eternal life. That's good news. It's the best news ever. Again, we don't get to pick and choose what his blood redeems. There's no gray area here. His blood redeems all things. I don't get to tell Jesus what the exception to his blood is. Neither do you. Neither do you. Don't let the enemy deceive you. The work of my redemption, the work of your redemption was finished on the cross. There is death, burial, and resurrection. I am redeemed. You are redeemed. You are forgiven, and you are able to live a life in him. That's good news. Dr. Balance talks about how when Christ came, he came to cancel the guilt, the power, and the nature of sin. What does that mean? Guilt. My verdict of my life because of all my sins does not read guilty anymore. 
But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I am not guilty standing before God. The wages of my sin, they were death, but not anymore. The gift of God through his son, Jesus Christ, is eternal life. I'm not guilty. If you choose to put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're not guilty. You can't remember the guilt of the power. I am not a slave to sin anymore. Jesus Christ canceled the power of sin in my life. Will cancel the power of sin in your life. I'm not a slave to sin anymore. I'm not a slave to fear anymore. I'm not a slave to shame anymore. He canceled the power of sin in our life and empowers us with his very own life, the spirit, to live in victory. And he cancels the nature of sin. Because of Adam and Eve, that nature inside of us that was bent towards sin, he said no longer. Because Jesus was fully man and fully God, he came to redeem my very body, my mind, my heart, my soul, my nature. Only Jesus can do that. So my heart that was bent towards sin because of the blood of Jesus Christ was bent towards him. He frees us from the guilt, the power, and the nature of sin to empower us to love God, love others, and walk in obedience. All the things that we could not do before. I couldn't love God because of my sin. It separated me from him. I couldn't love others because of my sin. It separated me from you. I couldn't walk in obedience because I was walking in death. But because of Jesus, canceling the guilt, the power, and the nature of sin, and then giving me his spirit, I can walk and love God and love others and walk in obedience. My friends, this is the best news ever. When we sing the song, hell lost another one, this is what we're talking about. Hell lost another one. You are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're no longer walking in the, the way of death and sin. You are bought with a price. You are redeemed. Hell lost another one. Hell lost another one. We saw that this last two weekends ago on Set Apart Retreat. We saw student after student for the first time and some rededicating their life saying, hell lost another one. I'm not going to be bound by my sin anymore. I'm not going to be a slave to my addictions. I'm not going to be a slave to my past. Hell will lose another one every time because it has been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I wonder this morning if this morning is not another moment for hell to lose some more. For hell to lose some more this morning. If you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, today is the day. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wonder. The blood of Jesus Christ is enough for all of your sin. All of your sin. And it starts with surrender. In confession. I confess my need of a savior. I confess my need of being redeemed. I confess my sin to you. And you don't have to wonder if he's going to forgive it. We know in his word he says he will. He is faithful and just and will forgive your sins. Maybe some of you need to make that commitment for the first time. And maybe some of us in this room, maybe you were like me. You felt like there are some things that Jesus could redeem, but those big ones, those addictions, the things that I do with my boyfriend or girlfriend, that abortion, that unforgiveness and hatred. No, he can't forgive that. Lie from hell, he can, and he did. So we're going to have two different moments here. If you're going to close your eyes, the band can come on up. And if you're here this morning, and for the first time, you say, Jeannie, I, I don't have faith in Jesus Christ. I haven't put my faith and trust in him. And if you would like to, I'm just going to encourage you to raise your hand. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you didn't raise your hand or if you did, if you want to put your faith and hope in him as your redeemer, I invite you to pray this prayer. Jesus, I confess I am in need of a savior. Jesus, I confess I need to be redeemed. And then just spend a few moments here confessing your sin to him. 
knowing that he is faithful and just to forgive your sins. Don't hold back. He already knows. As you confess your sin, you say, Jesus, I choose to receive your forgiveness for my sins, knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive me. And Jesus, we ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me and empower me to walk in victory. And Jesus, I turn the leadership of my life over to you as my Savior and my Redeemer. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I would encourage you to come talk to Greg or Zach or myself, anyone, RDs. We would love to, to hear that. We'd love to celebrate you. We would love to root you in to what it means to walk that out. And if you're here and you're on the outside wondering, yeah, Jesus, I'm not sure you can forgive this or redeem that. Bring it to the altar. Bring it into community because his redemption is enough for all of you. Would you stand and sing with us?